Well, welcome back to another Gary Wilkerson podcast. And uh, first thing we're going to tell you is we're suffering all kinds of uh, computer <laughs> issues today. Yeah. So hopefully this will all go well, and I hope so. And maybe that plays into our topic yeah. <laughs> uh, when bad things happen. Uh, yeah. You know, this is a tough topic, Gary. And if, if you talk to anyone who is struggling with their faith or anyone who says, I want nothing to do with God, I'll guarantee you this is one of the first two things that come up, and that's mm-hmm. suffering. How can a good God, who we claim is in control, allow bad things to happen to people, and it, it causes difficulty for them. Yeah. I was having a discussion recently with a, a family member who is struggling in her faith, and the first thing she brought up, how on earth could this suffering take place if this God is who you say that he is? Mm-hmm. So it is a question that's on the minds of a lot of people. It's a question that probably at some point in life, if it's not now, it will be when a bad thing happens mm-hmm. to them. Right. So uh, what on earth uh, do you say to these people? Uh, wh- why is there suffering? Does, does yeah. indeed suffering exist? Is God in control? A lot of questions here. Yeah, yeah you're, you're hitting on the primary question of often of apologetics. I know you worked for many years with Ravi Zacharias, and I'm sure he can answer these questions a lot more uh, with a lot more uh, articulate ability than, than I can. But I have the pastor's heart, and I have the Word of God, and I can come to this with sympath- sympathy tor- towards people who are hurting and suffering. But I also can come to it, honestly, uh, from a biblical point of view, just saying I think there's such a skewed theology in America that has filtered down into the pews and people are have, have bought into a, a lie that uh, that uh, the, the life of a believer, you know, you, you pray the sinner's prayer, you then now enter into a church that promises you health, wealth, prosperity, blessing, uh, any problem you have, you just need to quickly pray it away, confess it away, believe it away, uh, increase your faith, then it'll go away. And if it doesn't go away, wow, what do we do then? Uh, and, and so that that's, uh, again, pastorally, that's a problem I have is that um, so many people leave the faith after a while because they were promised almost a pain-free life. Uh, reading this thing, I don't know how you can get that. Uh, it really is a story of pain uh, from, from Adam and Eve, uh, Cain and Abel, Noah, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, Paul, Timothy, uh, Demas having you know, forsaken his faith. All, you know, all these people went through uh, difficult struggles. The, the, the concluding book speaks about seals being opened and wrath being poured out you know, in difficult times. You know, the, the, the seven churches, you know, six out of the seven had a crisis that they were facing that needed to be dealt with. And so, so, so this is a, an important issue. Um, for me, I think there's a scripture verse. I mean, let me read this verse and, and then let's talk about it for a while mm-hmm. because uh, th- this could be the uh, dividing point between truth and error, I think, mm-hmm. in, in some senses. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13, and it says, Consider the work of God. And just to stop there for a second, um, Ecclesiastes is making it very clear what we're about to say is not the work of Satan, it's not the work of sin, it's not the work of yourself, and it's not the work of a fallen world. What we're about to read here, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, this is the work of God. Now, some people are going to listen to this, and if they've studied the scripture uh, to some degree, they'll, st- they'll stop and say, well, this is Ecclesiastes, uh, you know, and there's a lot of weird things in Ecclesiastes. Uh, you know, it's maybe written by this guy who's depressed uh, or hopeless. Well, it's still the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not in, in error. And so it's God's word, and it's, it's saying here, and this, this is the work. Now, now consider this is the work of God, or think about it. Think about, think about this work. Who can make that straight 
so so there's there's this sense of God is up to something and you can't make it straight. Uh, and what is, what is this thing? It's the thing that He has made crooked. So so you know that's that's a pretty tough mm. pretty tough thing that that you know and that's something that uh, Christians I think predominantly in America don't want to face, don't want to believe, uh, don't want to hear. Maybe even they much rather hear. You know, uh, the, the the tickle my ears and uh, the false prophets and and you know Jeremiah says and the people love it so they love to go to these places where they just um, leave feeling like oh every problem is going to be be solved well how can you make that straight uh, and and so that I think that's the starting point for me. You know. Well, you mentioned churches. There are a lot of them out there that are saying indeed this very message that. You shouldn't go through d- tough times. You shouldn't suffer. Uh, right. I was looking online just this morning in preparation for this, and one well-known uh, evangelist said, if a bad thing happens in life, it can only come from Satan, and that's the only person it comes from. Yeah. So there are a lot of them out there. So w- what do you say right. to those folks? Um, I'll say a few things. <laughs> and, 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 and so that it's not a debate between me and the other evangelists. It would be um, Isaiah 14, 24 through 27. Surely as I've planned this, so it will be. And as I have prop, uh, purposed it, so it will stand. This is uh, through the prophet Isaiah. God is saying, I, I purpose these things and, and they stand. For the Lord Almighty has purposed this and who can thwart him? His hand has stretched out and who can turn it back? Job 23, 13 and 14 says, speaking of God, he is unchangeable and who can turn him back? What he desires that he will do. What is he speaking of? I think Ezekiel 14, 19 makes it even more clear. He says, if I, and it doesn't say Satan or the flesh or sin, this is God speaking. If I send a plague, uh, the word plague in there in Hebrew, interestingly enough, can be translated as a pandemic. If if I send a pandemic, uh, even Noah, Daniel and Job were in it, they couldn't save even their own son or daughter. Um, you know, and so that, that, that evangelist you're speaking of, if, if Noah, Job, and Daniel were in his church, um, and Job was there, that they, they, they couldn't receive that message they, 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 because the, you know, Ezekiel has made it clear God, God has a different way uh, of looking at this. One more, uh, Daniel 4, 35, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and with the peoples of earth, no one can hold back his hand and can say to him, what have you done? So I think what we're talking about here is, is, has been a real shift in doctrine and theology over the last probably 100 years or so, but really intensified in the last decade of a transition from a very God-centered theology where God is in control, God is sovereign, God is Lord, God is King, to more now of a I call it a meology instead of a theology. It's about me and what I have power to do and what my tongue can, can get done and what my uh, belief system can do. If, if God has uh, decreed something, uh, then, and even if it be a plague or even if he be, uh, you know, where, where, um, you know, where he allows something or where he ordains something or where he intends something, you know, that's a... One other passage of scripture here, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 45. Uh, you know the story of, uh, of Joseph where uh, his brothers uh, out of jealousy. So there's, so there's something working from sin causing this thing to happen, putting him in the pit to, to intend to kill him. Um, when he, he's released from that, put into slavery, I won't go into the whole story. But, but in uh, Genesis chapter 45, verse 5, it says, And now do you, do not be distressed. He's speaking to his brothers many years after 
having been um, almost murdered by them, um, do not be angry or distressed with yourselves because you sold me here. Okay, they did it. And this is what you know, people like that you've worked with, poor Ravi and other uh, scholars that have uh, much more insight into this than I do. But, but I can uh, agree with them that uh, Satan can be doing something like Job. Satan was the one who brought the boils and brought the Chaldeans to destroy this family in the houses and the cattle uh, and steal from him. Satan did the deed. But, but I think the same thing is true for Job that's true for Joseph here. Um, uh, you sold me here, but, it was God, but God sent me here before you to preserve your life, verse 8. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Mm. And so the sovereignty of God to me is, uh, okay, does, does Satan uh, cause calamity? He c- comes to kill, steal, and destroy. There's no question. I'm not minimizing him. But we have so maximized him to put him almost a dualistic throne, one throne room in heaven, one in hell, uh, Satan uh, ruling and reigning as he pleases, and God ruling and reigning as, as he pleases. And they're in a cosmic war, uh, co-equal in battle. We're not sure who's going to win. And so uh, that, that's just not the picture that's, that Scripture paints. God sent me here. God uh, did this. God, who can keep the hand? Uh, and then even a more well-known passage in Genesis is is the 50 verse 20. As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. The word that meant is another translation says intended. Uh, and it's a very strong word. It doesn't mean that God uh, reacted later, like you did this and God countered that bad move, almost caught by surprise. And uh, like in other words, you pulled a sword on me and then God said, oh yeah, well I can do that too. It's it, the, the intention was God's, and it seems from Genesis 45 to 50 that it was, it was from God's good purposes, that, that he was the one who was, it was his intention. It was, that was what he was meaning to happen. He sent him here to, to do this. And so uh, this going back to Ecclesiastes, God meant to, to put a crook in our life mm-hmm. sometimes. And I know that sounds, you know, it's tough because it almost puts God in a bad light. We can't paint him as evil. We can't paint him as one who brings sin, uh, but but we can see him as being what the Bible calls the Lord of hosts. Uh, he's over, he's over, he's not equal with Satan, Satan's not equal with him, he's over Satan, he's over sin, he's over sickness, he's, and he has control over all these things. And so I think if we understand this passage of scripture uh, from Ecclesiastes, I think it would be a good starting point for understanding the pain we're going through in our life, the, the, the parent who... Uh, has a, a lost a child, the, the marriage that's falling apart, the, the job that you dreamed for, and maybe the church sort of promised you by false teaching that you're going to get whatever you believe. Uh, all of a sudden, this scripture, I think, can do, uh, do miracles in our heart and in our confidence in God. Maybe we should define terms here, all okay. of those things you just mentioned. Uh, yeah. Would those be classified as crooked things? Or what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, this passage actually came to my attention uh, through reading a book called, by a man named Thomas Boston, uh, 1700s. And uh, the title of the book is uh, The Crook in the Lot. And he speaks of, uh, you know, that terminology, uh, what's your lot in life? Mm-hmm. You know, so, Bob, you have a lot in life. You mm-hmm. work with World Challenge, and you have a family, you have five children, and you're in good health. You know, that's your, kind of your lot in life. And my lot in life is married, four kids, nine grandkids, mm-hmm. working with World Challenge, doing this podcast. That's kind of my lot in life, get to preach here and there. And uh, 
so so we we all intend our you know you have I have everybody listening to me today listening to us today has this intended desire for our lot in life we want to be healthy and we want to be joyful and we want pleasant experiences we have dreams and aspirations and hopes and God is not God is not like up in heaven like some kind of wicked Thor with thunderbolts to say like make sure I destroy your lot in life but if that lot in life um, is is allowed to go in a in a in a certain direction like David says before I was afflicted I was leaving the Lord you know I was I was, I was drifting from the Lord the affliction the the C.S. Lewis calls it the, 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 the megaphone of pain, uh, seems to draw us to God where affluence, uh, uh, comfortable, uh, po- problem-free life does it. So, so Thomas Boston's talking about, you have this lot in life, and you want it to be this way, uh, but then God puts a crook in it. Uh, so the path that you're going down, all of a sudden something happens. The, you hear this report from the doctor. Uh, there's a marriage crisis or problem. The kids aren't serving the Lord. The financial stress and difficulties. So anybody that says a Christian's not going to have that is 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 either deceived, or lying, or a false teacher. Uh, because as a pastor, every pastor knows your congregation is suffering these things, and if they're not now, they will be. And the inability to deal with these things because of a false teaching of of uh, denying that of of like uh, you know not willing to even say like I feel a little sick you know it's like like you know uh, the the evangelist you're talking about today would would have never written like Paul you know told Timothy you know drink a little wine for your stomach mm-hmm. ailment your frequent stomach ailments mm-hmm. he doesn't say confess that away or rebuke that or that's the devil just it's a reality life you're gonna have crooks in your life you're gonna have things that will derail your hopes and desires and dreams. And then the, 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 the writer of Ecclesiastes, the wisdom here says, who can make that straight? You know, who can, who can make, th- there are certain things that can't be made straight. The, the marriage has ended, there's a divorce, it's finalized, and the spouse has remarried. Uh, and that's what Ecclesiastes is asking, who can make that straight? You prayed for your, like my friend who prayed for years for his daughter, but she still died of a disease. Uh, who can make that straight? So there are certain things you can't make straight. Other things are crooked now, but you can, God will, we'll talk about that in a little bit, God can make that straight. But I think what's happening is a lot of Christians are, if you could picture a bow and arrow and you want that to be straight, like, boom, man, this thing is, uh, but you know, like a bow and arrow, the, the, the bow is, is curved. And if we were to say, I don't want that thing curved, I want it to be a straight stick. And we stood here today and, and pulled that, you know, especially if it was a, a, a dense bow, we pulled it back. After a while, you'd be frustrated, you'd be exhausted, you'd feel temporarily like okay this thing's straight i got it i'm believing for a straight life and then if you let it go it just brings back to where it was who can make that straight that's what he's asking here uh what and 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 then he's saying something that i think a lot of christians refuse to say today what god has made crooked uh what what god has uh, and, and we can we don't have time to go into the what did he allow what did he ordain uh, to me that's not a, that big a question because if he allows it it's not a whole lot different than ordaining it in a mm-hmm. sense, uh, because if he's allowing it and he could disallow it, then in his mind he is making it that way for his, uh, you know, all these purposes that we read from these these scriptures earlier. It's not to say that, you know, that God is not sympathetic with our pain. It's not to say that even what I'm teaching, you know, what we're talking about here today, uh, doesn't say like, wow, this is, you know, when you have that that sudden crook. 
you know, where everything's going well, and all of a sudden, you know, again, the doctor gives you that report, or like me, I'm in a car accident, might break my back. It's like a sudden crook. Those are painful, but they go away, and you feel okay. Um, then there's the persistent crook, uh, the the 20-year difficult marriage, the 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 um, the person in the wheelchair that never gets healed. That's the persistent crook. Or then there's the, what I call the series of crooks. It's like one crook, and this was Job's story, right? Uh, mm. Your 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 land was taken, your house was destroyed, your cattle are gone, your the enemies have attacked your people, and now your children are dead, and now you have boils. No. It was like this, you know, you know, which to me, I think the persistent uh, and uh, multiple crooks are the hardest. And I don't think I've ever experienced that in my life, don't want to, no. uh, but I have met people that have that. And so, so God is not careless uh, about that. He sees the, the pain in that, but I believe he has some... Something in his divine wisdom, understanding that is uh, all these things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purposes, even the pain, even the suffering, even the hardship. And if you can see that, then you get to this great place of, of, and that's what Thomas Boston says, um, uh, only he who made the crook can straighten the crook. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if, if and, and even if Satan's hand was involved in, in the making of the crook like he was with Job's, uh, it's, Satan will never relieve that crook. It's only only the one who, uh, in in jo- Joseph's case, he intended it to be there. So the the one. So there's this good thing about trust. If we see that he intended it to happen, and he is a good God, then his intentions will be a good outcome for that. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's the ultimate healing of of the death of a loved one, where they get to be in heaven, uh, that's still an ultimate ending of the crook well it does seem to be a that's why i asked about the defining of terms because we seem in this day and age even more so than previous generations to have this idea that a bad thing happening to me is a bad thing in everything it's a bad thing ethically it's a bad thing morally nothing bad should ever happen to me and if it does then it comes from a bad person Mm. fact is though as you just pointed out it may end up in a good thing. Yeah. And so it, we had to go down this road to get there. I mean, I told my children to brush their teeth, and I'm sure they felt they <laughs> suffered by it, yeah, right? They're yeah. probably glad they did now. Yeah. Uh, those were terrible times. Right. But uh, it, I guess it's, we have such a limited view, don't we, except of the mm-hmm. here and now and where we sit and it's stand. really a good point. Yeah. yeah, we really do have a limited view. The, um, the uh, Boston, again, says, um, what, is, what is crooked on earth is actually straight in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we're seeing this as a crook. Like this, this pain is—I don't want to endure this. This hard heartache is beyond my capacity to 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 want. Lord, take this. You know, let this cup pass from me. Jesus said, "You know, it, for for Jesus, the cup seemed crooked on earth. For, you know, while while he was under that the weight of that, but in heaven, that was the straight path." Yeah. And so, uh, you know, like you're talking about with the brushing of the teeth, I, it reminded me of uh, my son Elliot when he was. I think he was maybe four, and he was out playing our yard, and he got hit in the head with a golf ball, and it split his skull mm-hmm. open a little bit, and so he had to get some stitches. And so I was in there with him, and I was, he was just crying his heart out, and I was just like hurting so bad. And, and then the doctor said, uh, you're going to have to hold him. You're going to have to put him like in a headlock <laughs> while I stitch him. And he was yelling at me, Daddy, Daddy, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, and so for, you know, I was his crook. You know, yeah. I was the one who was not making his path straight to get him out of that doctor's office. But it, but it was a necessity. Yeah. That pain was his healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that pain was the, the closing of the wound. And so, yeah. you, know, the, the, you know, it's hard to say, but sometimes the pain of uh, the relational pain is working out something good. They, you know, and it's hard. David mentioned the, the crook of the relational pain. He said, you know, if this was my 
if this was my enemy, I, I could understand it. But this is my close brother, yeah. and and that's you know that that was the crook for him. Uh, you know, which by the way, I, I do believe that God and His sovereignty and His love. Um, it's hard for us, but it's good for us. It's hard for us that God, the crook is always in the area that is most dear to our heart. Um, you know, so 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 <clears throat> David's crook was not like my enemies are attacking me. You know, because he he was a warrior, so that was like yeah, let's fight. But he was de- he was a devoted friend. He you know the way he was towards Jonathan. So, you know that was the thing that was dear to him, and that's where the crook hit him in his life and it's you know if a man was if a man had no concern for wealth or financial security he just was a free you know freewheeler and just loved to roam around mm-hmm. um if if the crook was you've lost all your money now you're gonna wake up and experience your heart after god that, that man would say that's no i don't no big deal i lost my money uh but say he was extremely devoted to uh to his wife and she was you know Treating him poorly, then that would that would wound his heart of the most. This makes that you know I have to be careful here because it almost makes God out to seem like a bad guy. Like mm-hmm. he's looking for the tender spot of our heart to touch that negatively, uh, and, and yet at the same time, if he didn't touch that part, if he touched the part that was, you know, the crook was in an area we didn't care about, then it would be a nonchalant attitude towards it. So, in his love, he has to touch that area of our life. Uh, and sometimes it's an area that we're almost idolat- uh, in idolatry in. Uh, mm-hmm. so he's touching our desire for wealth. He's touching our desire for security. He's touching our desire for comfortable ease of life uh, so that we see those those idols break down. And then we say, okay, well, if those idols are made of wood and iron and they have no life, then where do I have life from? I don't get my life from my health. I don't get my life from my comfort. I don't get my life from my marriage even and from my kids and grandkids. I get my life in Christ. And so if anything else interferes with that, the loving Father will will, will bend that bow a bit uh, in order to get us to yeah. come. And I don't want to, in my question, you don't want to downplay at all the suffering people are going through either. Right. I mean, you know, my theology changes with my level of suffering. Exactly, I think, yeah, As do a lot of people. Uh, and so I get that. But... As you just brought up, touching that tender point, I, I can't help but think of Job as you've brought up many times. I mean, here's a guy who was uh, righteous, yeah. was doing everything right, and only after he went through all of the losses and then had a chance to talk to God, what was in chapter 42, he said, I'd heard about you, but now my eye sees you. I mean, there is something about suffering that that is as uh, that makes an impression on us yeah. and uh, gets our attention like nothing else. And it did for Job, a man who was righteous and saw God in a way he never had before. Mm. Now, now, I don't know that I want to go through that suffering to see God in that way, but what a gift he was given in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's, it's rather unique. Yeah. You had brought up another thing about uh, God kind of allowing things to happen and then just kind of walk away, which brings up, a, I think, a renewed popular theology these days and deism that god mm-hmm. yeah so bad things happen it's not god's fault but he just he just kind of backed out and didn't take any account for it anymore yeah any see any validity in that kind of a view no not at all i mean the, the validity in the sense that there's a reality of many people believing mm-hmm. that and i think there's many people that would not call themselves deists uh but but feel that emotionally mm-hmm. uh you know the uh, the fool in his heart says there is no God. Uh, I think the same thing would be true for what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The fool in his heart says there is no active agency of God's work in my life. It's it's more uh, random. And then I would say even very strong evangelicals are, are believing this, that that there's this sense of randomness that, um, you know, particularly maybe in 
like things like a flood. Well, that, you know, that God had nothing to do with that. It just happened to be the, you know, the warm weather over the ocean mm. made those things move in this, and the winds blew it this direction, and you know, like more more of a sort of a chance and randomness. Of course, there's some scriptures that you know, even the throwing of the dice, mm. uh, God determines the the number. It's, you know, and if He's that, you know, if, if He's can count the hair on our heads or knows how many sparrows fall to the ground every day. Uh, then isn't he, is he not knowing? And, and, and his knowing is not a, uh, a um, distant knowing of like, oh, I, I, uh, I know that's happening. Uh, his knowing is, uh, is, you could almost call it foreknowing, he, foreknowledge. He is, uh, and, and the fore, foreknowledge, I believe, is actually foreordaining. He is mm-hmm. foreordaining all these things to happen. He's, nothing, nothing happens that he's not a part of. Um, uh, you know, so he didn't create things and then back off in the distance and let things unfold. Uh, you know, and, and again, <clears throat> that that's where this almost humanistic uh, deism comes in, uh, t- saying that that okay, God's kind of backed away a little bit. Now it's up to me. It's up to my faith. It's up to my mm-hmm. confession. It's up to my belief system. It's up to my, uh, or or even get away from that maybe that charismatic type, you know, word of faith movement and get into, you know, maybe more of a mainline denomination like a Baptist or a Presbyterian. Uh, there's that moral, moralism, I'll be good and this will, good things will happen to me, um, you know, uh, they're, they're kind of a, uh, just a, a, a um, legalistic type thing that uh, I'll obey this law and then my life will be good, mm-hmm. you know, so so either one of those camps, when when the crook comes in, crooked thing comes in, they're, they're both going to be uh, derailed if they think it's uh, if if they like you're saying, if it, they think it's random, then it's just mm. what kind of world do we live in? Anything could happen to us. Um, personally, I, and I don't. Mm, personally, I, I think if something negative happens in my life, you know, pain, sorrow, suffering, there's something comforting for me. This is my own personality. If I say, you know, I, I think God not only knew it, but He was there's He's directing He's directing the course of my life. His hand is in this. He sent this. You know, like 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 sent uh, Joseph, uh, he, he sent me ahead. You know, or he sent me into this thing. I take more comfort in that than uh oh, Satan caught God off guard, and he, he or, or he has such such free will as he can come and do this randomly. That's that's more frightening to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think David understood this. King David when he had sinned and was given a choice, and I don't remember the details. Uh, like three years of famine three months of your enemy attacking you or three days in my hands. And David goes, I'll take the three days yeah. in your hands because I trust you uh, that you're good. Yeah. He calls, calls him good in, in the midst of that. So I would rather the crook in my lot be God orchestrating it rather than a deistic crooks just happen. We don't know about it. Or uh, th- this mutual sovereignty between God and Satan of the crook could be Satan pulling you away. And, uh, you know, this, this, I think the, I think scripture bears this up from Genesis to Revelation and it brings me the most comfort uh, and brings me to a place where I believe the God who allowed the crook can also be the God who um, releases the crook mm-hmm. in his time and his way in the right time. When it, you know, If Satan is doing something to bring a crook in my life, it's not going to work for my good. You know, It doesn't say uh, Satan works all things together for my good. It says you know, God works together. Mm-hmm. So if God is working something in my life and he's bringing it together, uh, so together suggest a separation at some point. Again, the, I want the lot to be in this direction. It is separated from that. It's crooked from that. Uh, but he brings it together. And I think that's the good news of what we're talking about today. 
So you've, you mentioned the verse where God made something crooked. I mean, we've talked about uh, Satan sometimes as the instrument of that taking right. place. We also know that bad things come into our lives by our own sin. So exactly. how, where does that fit into this equation? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, good, a, a good question because that, that does, the same, the same thing that Satan does to, to be an instrument in a sense of um, pain, sorrow, suffering, our, our sin is the same way. It, it brings pain. It brings, uh, it brings suffering. It brings hardship. And, and yet, uh, again, it's it's not as if, in my take on this, it's not as if, uh, you know, as I said, it's not two sovereignties, God and Satan. Nor is there two sovereignties, sin and God. Uh, God is uh, God rules over all things. There's there's nothing that's under, not under His control. He's not ever. He never causes us to sin, nor does He ever tempt us to sin. But, and this is going to be a little controversial here, but in my view of Scripture, um, again, we'll just use the Scripture. I, my, you know, I just have it open to uh, Genesis 50. Um, you know, God, uh, the, it, was, it was the brothers. They were in sin, and they're responsible for their sin, and they probably paid a, a heavy due for that sin. They, mm-hmm. they got their father's wrath. They got the guilt and shame. Then when they brought, brought before their brother, there was that, that hardship and trouble of that relational tension. Um, and, and at the same time, God was a part of that. There was there was a plan in, in God's heart for that. And so, uh, you know, just as clearly as I can, yes, uh, sin will cause. Uh, if 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 I cheat on my wife, it's going to probably end in divorce. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, sin definitely plays a part in 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 our suffering, which is probably uh, different than the crook that we're talking about here today. The painful things that happen. Maybe not based on like you know I have no indication that Joseph sinned. Some people talk about you know well, maybe that was arrogance when he told the dream. Um, he just seemed to me he just seemed to be reporting what his father told him. Uh, so so I don't think that was punishment for his sin. I think that was God putting a crook in his life. But I am saying that that uh, <laughs> I'm saying there's nothing out of God's control and there's nothing out of God's sovereign power. And our sin is not an equal sovereignty to God that can derail God's plan for our life. And so I think even uh, for me, even the sin that I've struggled with in my life, the habitual patterns of sin that I've wrestled with, every single one of them has taught me something about the character and nature of God, caused me to depend on God even more. So I would say if, if Scripture says all things work together for good, then I'd have to even classify my sin uh, being under the sovereign plan of God for God's greater purposes in my life. And I know probably 90% of Christians don't believe what I just said and probably going to get some letters. Uh, well, it certainly does point to Christ as the Redeemer yeah. of my mistakes, right? I was yeah. reading a book by Vody Bauckham, who you okay. had on your pastor's series. He yeah. wrote a book on Joseph. Hmm. And he talks about how uh, there is a, a certain tendency in churches today to moralize everything. And that, that uh, episode that you mentioned with Joseph, he was arrogant. He said, oh, that, may, that may be true, but that's not the point of the story. Yeah. The point of the story is he was redeemed by God as Christ will redeem all of us, right? Wow. So a good point yeah, brought over there. really good point. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Let me ask the next question right from the verse. Uh, so who can make it straight? Who can make it straight? Okay. <laughs> Obviously, we, uh, we in our own power can't do it uh, through moralism, as we were talking about earlier, uh, nor through um, sort of a hyper-faith and prosperity, word of faith movement. None of those mm-hmm. things can do it. My hopes, my dreams, my effort to pull that bow back can't do it. Um, but God in his... Sovereign grace, that you know that uh, th- there was this sense of an intention in God's. It was you know Joseph was not going to deliver his brothers and father 
in a week or in six months. It was going to be, it was going to be a bit of a journey, a rocky road. And so Joseph could have started praying like, God, you know, d- deliver me from this pit, deliver me from this prison, deliver me, f- restore me to my father. But in God's sovereignty, it would, it would not, that, those prayers would have not worked. But also we have the heart of God and we have the mind of God. And so we can come to that Romans, uh, that, that, that Romans uh, chapter 8 uh, verse, and I can just uh, turn there. Um, so so he's talking here about uh, Romans 8.20, for creation was subject to futility. To me, that's the crook. The mm-hmm. futility is, man, I wanted my life to, my lot in life should be this way, but there's this futility, mm-hmm. uh, not willingly, but of him who subjected it. Now, some people say it was Satan that subjected the earth to futility, uh, or it was sin. You know, sin caused these bad things to happen in my life. And again, those things do operate, but, but it's very clear here to me that, but it was him who subjected it in hope. Well, that says to me, like Satan didn't subject the earth to fertility with, with hope that it would get redeemed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, Satan doesn't have hope. Uh, he, you know, he, he's, uh, so this is God. Uh, the creation itself will be set free from the bondage of corruption. That's kind of what you're saying that, mm-hmm. there. And then um, uh, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. So we don't sometimes know how to pray about that crook. Um, we do know that God is a God who heals. We do know that God who restores, he delivers. And so he always wants us to be praying for those things, even if it's not in his proper timing at the moment, we can still be praying those things. Um, but then there comes, a, I believe there comes a certain point, and this passage of scripture to me is not necessarily simply saying that at any time or season, the spirit will come and cause a groaning to happen in your life. To me, this has something more to do with, uh, I would go back to the prophet Jeremiah, who knew the prophecy was that the children of Israel would be held captive, I think it was by the Babylonians or Chaldeans. Do you, do you remember? No. I don't remember. Seven, 70 years, I think it was the Babylonians, are going to hold, hold you captive for 70 years. At the end of the 70 years, uh, you're going to be released back, and I'm going to give you your land and your houses, and your children will be running the streets. Mm. There'll be joy back in Jerusalem. And so he gets to, I believe the passage of Scripture says, he gets to like the 68th year and goes, we're about to be restored. And also he gets this spirit of intercession comes on. He starts praying. Uh, Nehemiah got this. It's time to rebuild the walls. And he starts praying. And so um, the, the, the crook that shows you something is not at the way your lot in life also starts to, I could just, to, to a mental picture starts vibrating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Something, something's up with this crook. I think there's about, and then all of a sudden that spirit of intercession comes on you and groaning. And that's where, God partners with you, and, and you know. So you look at the context here. We have that famous scripture in the twenty-eighth verse, and we know that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed in the image of His Son. So the crook to me is part of the predestination. Then the intercession is part of the predestination, and the restoration, the healing, is part of His predestination. That He's bringing together these things based on all those scriptures that I read at the beginning of this podcast, that this is his plan, this is his knowledge, this is his wisdom. Who can change it? Who can make it straight? Uh, well, God can make it straight, and we get the joy of partnering within him, uh, knowing that he works all this together for good, so he's doing something deep in our heart, changing us. He's also then correcting, oftentimes, the crook uh, in our life, uh, bringing it together uh, for us as part of his predestined plan. But he's doing it at a time where he's beginning to groan through us, and. So that's where, uh, and, and again, 
you know, correct me if you think this is off base a little bit, but, you know, when I read uh, when Jesus taught about prayer, he says, you know, ask, seek, and then knock. Um, to me, it's not just three different things. It seems to be more a progression. And so uh, using Jeremiah as an example, he has these 70 years, and there could be something in his heart saying, Lord, I'm asking you to, to deliver us. And if you could do it any earlier, you know, please. But then it gets, you know, it's year 65, and he's going now like, Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm tired of this. I'm frustrated. This crook is, is painful. And, you know, it's now he's, he's seeking. And then at year 68, now he's knocking. You know, he's just bam, bam, bam. It's not a, it's not a pleasant ask. It's a desperate knocking at the door. And I, I think there even comes a time in my life where I have maybe like, I would say, kicked at the door, just bam. You know, God, this door has to come down. And I find the deeper the groaning, the closer the release of the crook. And so the good news about the crook is, is that it, uh, the question, who can, uh, how's it go, who can make this, this straight, uh, this situation, who can make this straight? Well, in our own flesh, moralistically, or our own sense of, you know, our tongue having the power mm-hmm. to do this is hopeless. But what is hopeful is that the sovereign Lord, king over all things, uh, will... Uh, make it straight in his time and we can trust him that he's good he's doing a good work and then he welcomes us into that that, that groaning that intercession and he uses that intercession to say yes to us uh, he loves when we pray he loves when we seek him and and I, I've learned this from Charles Spurgeon he uh, you know Spurgeon was 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 one you know, like that Romans 8 29 30 31 uh, you know, whom he predestined, uh, he would ultimately glorify. You know, and Spurgeon was a, a huge advocate of that, that, that God and his predestined plan is working out, you know, all things for our good. And yet he would say that we suffer, but he would also say that our, um, that our prayers are, are just as ordained as our suffering, so to speak. Uh, does that make sense? Like, yeah. like the crook is ordained. Well, so is the prayer to pull the crook back in. Yeah. And so, when you get that spirit of intercession going in you, you can know that something, something is good. And good is good is on the way. It doesn't mean every time every prayer you pray is going to be answered the way you want. The, the there are times where, where we know that the, the person is not healed, uh, the you know the marriage is not restored. Uh, we and we and so, but the intercession, the groaning, uh, is always, um, is is makes that crook straight. And so the crook could be made. The crook can be made straight uh, through this intercession, through this groaning, one of two ways. One is um, the, the literally the changing of the circumstance, the situation, and the second is the changing of the heart. Uh, I relate this to the storms. You know, when Jesus was in the boat, he could speak to the seas, you know, peace be still, and the the, the seas are calmed. Or he could just speak to his disciples and say, "Hey, the storm's going to rage for a while, but you guys be still. You guys get peace." And so. Um, so the crook could remain in our life, um, as Joni Eric Suntata could yeah. well testify, uh, that, that the crook of her, uh, the lot of her wanting to walk is, 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 has never happened, but something else has certainly, she would testify, has happened. And that, that is, that's kind of what I'm, I'm talking about. He can in the midst of, and so that, that who can, God can and will, one way or another, that crook is straightened, uh, either internally as a, an ability to have peace in the storm or externally in that the circumstances are, are changed. 
I was reading another book this week called uh, God's Favor by this guy, Gary Wilkerson, <laughs> wrote it. And he asked the question about can, can I make life straight? It's kind of like saying, can mm. I achieve God's favor by something that I do? Mm. It sounds like you're saying no. It's always there. Just your circumstance may not reveal right. it. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a smaller element, maybe I'd say a second tier of a biblical pr- pr- principle of what you sow is what you reap. It goes back to the question you asked earlier about sin. Mm-hmm. You know, God will allow your sin and has ordained your sin to cause you pain and suffering. And so, you know, sin, and but also for good things that, you know, you can sow into, you know, you're, you're a very thoughtful man. I noticed your team here at you know, World Challenge, the, the media team that works mm-hmm. under you, they're all seem really happy and content mm-hmm. and joyful because you're providing, you're sowing into them a good environment and therefore, whenever they speak about you, they're always telling me, like, man, Bob's a great guy. I'm not just trying to <laughs> I pay him puff well. you up. Though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, so you're sowing and reaping. Uh, so that that kind of has a tear to it. But but the the level that we're talking about here this morning is 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 something deeper. It's mm-hmm. it's um, it's the sovereign work of God that He's orchestrating something that He's not looking for our advice. Like um, you think this is going to help you uh, grow in sanctification, or is this going to help you uh, seek My face with all your heart? Uh, he He doesn't need our advice in that. That's the omniscience of God that He is all all knowing uh, mm-hmm. and all wise. Is, is this message today mostly for the believer going through difficult times, or mm. can this message resonate with an unbeliever? It, it seems they'd listen to this and just go, I, I don't care, I don't want to go through this. Yeah, right. Maybe Christians too. So yeah. it, it, can this message in this way, if someone, a listener out there has a friend who's a non-Christian who's going mm. through a tough time, could they tell them these things? I think it could get the non-Christian to a place, they go like, not because of me or you, what we're saying today, but because of what God's saying today, finally can go like, Oh, finally, somebody who's addressing the pain in life honestly, mm-hmm. saying that it's there and that, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the, this, this duality, this, this major tension between, like, uh, God is good and, you know, nothing, uh, nothing bad is of him or God is not good and not powerful. You know, this is, this is, tr- this is an, I believe, in a sense of saying God is all good and he's all powerful. It, it, and, and so for somebody who is in the church, that should bring comfort to somebody who's outside of the family of God could say, okay, you know, there, there is an, in, in, in scripture, there's an honest, um, uh, an honest look at suffering in life. There's, and, and there are some answers to this that are, are different than, than the world has to offer the, the, um, you know, without Christ, the, the world only has to offer a very, a very, a random, uh, a, de- a random, uh, deterministic things are going to unfold uh, in just an evolutionary fashion, without any hope of, you know, there's there's no intervention in a world like that. It's it's dog eat dog, mm-hmm. uh, survival of the fittest. And so this, uh, this this brings hope to life. It brings joy to life. It brings the sovereign God. And you know, God, the Bible says God set eternity in man's heart. And so somebody that might listen to this, that's saying it kind of sounds kind of weird, convoluted, all this Christianese and stuff you're talking about and all these scripture passages and all God did this or Satan did that or sin did that. Yet inside that man and a woman's heart is the sense of, I want more than a deterministic, fatalistic, dog-eat-dog world that, you know, just at any moment, I just die and I disintegrate. Mm. Uh, what a hopeless existence. Mm. Uh, this This is a hope of peace, joy, life, love, uh, deity coming near to us, the, the, the transcendent God, the God of all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, infinite 
um, is now become imminent to us. So as the transcendent God becomes imminent, he becomes near us. Um, and so it's not a small God who's lost control or power. It's not a God who wrestles on equal ground, on equal footing with Satan. It's the God of all creation, all power, all knowledge, all wisdom. And then he's decided, like, I'm going to come and be your friend and bring to you all that I am. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.